What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What is crack-lacking, fellow thermonuclear amphers? I am Adam Valley coming at you with my certified fantabulous co-host, Grant Hughes. We're dropping ours, like, the sixth podcast of the week. It's definitely, like, the eighth hour of content um, we're dropping. So we're you're welcome or we're sorry, depending on how you feel about that. Two more playoff series to roll through now that we have both matchups set. We are going to begin with the Bucks heat series. Um, and we're talking about two 1v8 matchups, so we'll like try and take this, I promise, really seriously. But it's just, it's tough to um, carve out pathways to upsets for both of these matchups. But first, the question we all care about, and I'll make a prediction. I, I think he's probably doing like on a scale of one to 10, like a seven and a half. Grant, how are you doing? I'm like a 14, Dan, Ooh. today. Yeah, really good day today in the in the household um this will interest no one but you because you and i were texting about this yesterday that tree that i was trying to take out of my backyard it's out baby so you know feeling really good about that grant is going to start an alpha male podcast Mm -hmm. um and it's going to be all about lumberjacking to start how he can cut down trees and take out is that are we sure it's called lumberjacking that feels like it shouldn't be it shouldn't be called that if that's what it's called i am so not handy (laughs) i would call someone to change a light bulb Probably if my wife wasn't so handy, that's, that was, that's exactly what I would do. Yeah. I did build a treadmill with her that's a couple weeks good. ago though. That's pretty, and she was nervous to use it the first time because I was so critical to putting it together that she was probably convinced that she was going to die. Uh-huh. So is it still working? Yeah. She's Perfect. used it a bunch of times and she's yet to die. So I got, I count that as an absolute win. <laughs> yeah. Solid. Speaking of uh, yet to die, we're going to talk about some eight seeds today. Um, uh, the, uh, they, they may not last as long as your treadmill in some cases, I think the heat bucks are just I, the heat bulls game. We're not going to talk about that game and maybe we'll get into something with like the teams who are out futures or whatever, but mm-hmm. it was like entered. It was close, but it wasn't entertaining. Like there were moments, but it wasn't like super compelling. And that feels like the heat season in a nutshell is they play in like a bunch of these stressful games Yeah, and their half court offense has been really bad. They had, I do believe in their defense, but that really fell off a cliff to close the season. And uh, I know you have stronger feelings about, not that you're going to predict an upset, but you have stronger thoughts on this series than I do. And so I have questions, but what are you, what's your biggest overarching thought heading into this? Is it who's Milwaukee going to play in round two or? Yeah, yeah, right. Basically. I mean, I think I've been a little bit more hesitant to give up on the heat uh, than some, Um, I don't feel any more confident after this game just because, you know, 
this before we get into the matchup with the Bucks, which is just going to be kind of talking about like really, and it'll be the case for the other matchup too in the West. Like what what series of things needs to happen for the eight seed to have a chance, really? Um, mm. And the first of those, I think, was on display against the Bulls in the final playing game in the Eastern Conference, which was somebody from three that you don't anticipate running really hot needs to run really hot. And that was Max Struess, who was seven to 12 from three. So if you get either him or Gabe Vincent, who was awful, by the way, we've had a running thing all season of, I only see good Gabe Vincent games. I've seen a lot of bad Gabe Vincent games lately. So it's really balanced out, but someone has to run hot from three because outside of Struess, the heat were three of 18 from deep, just keeping right in line with their 27th or 28th ranked in according to cleaning the glass, three point percentage this season. Um, the offense is just an absolute slog. It's really tough to watch. Um, it's a ton, it takes a ton of effort to generate shots. There's not a lot of movement. All that I think is going to play right into Milwaukee's hands. And it's just whose defense is phenomenal. And, uh, will just, I think happily concede threes to the heat. Um, and I, I just, so the overarching thought is, is not a shocker, but it's just how do the heat score enough points against a defense this good, when they've been bad overall against every defense uh, offensively this season. So just a, a little background before I kind of kick it to you. Um, the Heat and Bucks did split their four games this season, all of which came between, you know, like January 12th, I think, and February 24th. They were very much condensed. Giannis only played one full game of those. He sat out two along with Chris Middleton and played like six minutes in another. Um, the one of the games that he did play, he was dominant at 35 points and like 14 boards on 13 of 19 shooting and the, the bucks lost that game. So I guess if you're an optimist for the heat, you might say, well, they can weather the storm, I guess, so to speak, but you know, <laughs> like that, that I, so, but I think in most cases, I don't know how you feel about this. Certainly here. I'm not taking much away from head to head matchups, particularly when Giannis played in 1.2 of the four games, basically, if that, um, so I, I guess, yeah. Do you have anything? I have some other numbers to do. We can get a little more granular, but that is the story, right? It's just how did the Heat score and and how do they score against a Bucks defense that gives you nothing at the rim and gives you nothing from three? Like where where are these points going to come from? And look, it's especially compelling because you mentioned their offense being a slog and they finished the regular season 20th and half court efficiency. Uh, and there were points like in the season where that was lower, where it felt like they were hovering around the bottom five and they're not a team that's going to, despite what Jimmy Butler can do, that's going to generate a ton of rim pressure. And then against the bulls, you just have these weird outings where eventually Jimmy Butler hit some of the gimmies, but they shot 37.5% at the rim against the bulls who don't have a premier rim protector. They have premier guys who can pressure the ball on the perimeter and Caruso and Beverly and, um, Patrick Williams has had some really nice moments too. <laughs> Um, but then they go and they shoot 35.7% uh, in the first playing game against the Hawks. And like, that's not a team that's known for their, like they have Clint Capella at least versus Nikola Vucevic hanging around the basket. And Drummond was kind of big, but so you're, if you're, they, they've never finished, I guess, exceptionally well at the rim, but it's sort of like, if you're going to get so few looks at the rim, you need to then convert the ones that you're getting. Uh, and then the three point shooting can run hot and cold because Max Struess, Closed the season well, but like his three-point percentage, that dropped off this year. Um, mm-hmm. They got a huge game from him against Chicago. You're going to need more of those, especially if, you know, you're not going to get the Kyle. One, Kyle Lowry's just injured at this point. And yeah. two, you're not always going to get the Kyle Lowry that you got against the Hawks. And um, so offensively, I don't understand how it works, especially because you already mentioned it. The, like, 
they're going to get, I would argue, lower quality looks from three or just fewer looks from three against the Bucks. So you're adding that element into, oh, like the rim protection is already a wash. And then you look at the other end of the floor. And yes, defensively, because you have Butler, because you have Bam Adebayo, because you were second in half-court defense, I think, on the season, it does feel like it should be compelling on paper. But all of a sudden, it's like, well, Jimmy Butler is going to go on Drew Holiday. And then Bam will guard Giannis, or he might have to guard Brooke Lopez or be on Brooke Lopez, and then he's the one who's going to help against Giannis. And it's like, what are we, how do you, like, what's your solve for that? And then yeah. what, you know, the I think, uh, I can't remember how often the Hawks did this, but the Bulls did a fairly good job of this at points throughout the game, where if you're going to get Tyler Hero's guy to screen uh, for whoever the primary ball hand, or the Bucks case, whether it's going to be Giannis or Drew Holiday or even Chris Middleton, um, and then you're going to put Hero in those actions, that puts extra strain on Jimmy Butler on Bam Adebayo on basically the entire defense. And I will point to a lot of people, I think are going to look at and say, okay, well, like the Bucks half court offense, it's had flaws in the past. And I guess if you don't really believe in Chris Middleton right now, what like that he's fully healthy or that he'll be like super effective, which on, on, on defense, I hear you, but if he's going to play, I would expect him to be close to Chris Middleton on offense. The Bucks, since he made his second return in Chris Middleton, they had third, the third best half court offense in the NBA. And it's like, there's that just Brooke Lopez is having the season of his life based off what he's done, not just as a floor space or in addition to everything he's done on defense, but like his, his abilities around the basket. Um, I, I want, I don't want to believe this, but I think people are going to talk themselves into believing that this can become a series. I don't see the pathway yeah. to it happening. Do you? couple options no not really i mean just how what would it look like if there were pathways though and i think one is you know you look you look over the shot profile information and we've hit most of it um i i guess you could say you could point to i guess i should say the bucks are top five in limiting opponent frequency at the rim and from three right so you're not getting those you're not going to get those looks but they allow a lot of mid-rangers that's by design um that's because that's just how they how they and a lot of other very good defenses and a lot of even bad defenses. That's just the norm. Really? Generally speaking, it's almost weird. If a team is, you know, let's shut off the mid range. Like that's nobody's game plan defensively. Um, but, and the heat take the seventh most mid rangers by percentage of their total field goal attempts. And they make the seventh most. So they're, they're top 10 in the area that the bucks are going to concede. We sort okay. of bring yeah. this up with the Suns a lot. The heat are not the Suns. This is not Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, you know, getting in there. This is a lot of difficult Tyler hero, some of these one footed shots he takes and makes is he's a ton of skill. He hit one of the toughest left-handed, like close range floaters. I think I've ever seen tonight. And you know, so, so he's, he can make shots. Uh, Butler's going to hit some of those. I don't know. Maybe I guess bam probably accounts for a lot of that too. And he was, he was actually pretty, pretty awful uh, tonight too, uh, at least offensively. So there's that. And then the Middleton thing you brought up too, there's just no scenario where if Middleton is healthy or healthy ish that the heat have enough, you know, to offset just the talent gap. I, it is interesting to note though, that so the bucks are plus 4.4 on the season net rating. Good. Not great. They're plus 3.8 without Middleton on the floor. So I think his absence or, or hobbled status or whatever, whatever is up with him. I think that matters later. I just, I just don't know. I don't think it matters now um, because I don't feel like the Bucks are going to need. I, I think the Bucks have enough defensively to be fine. I don't think they're going to need this extra scoring punch that he might provide, uh, just because I think they'll hold Miami so low points wise that it's not like 
it's not like you're going to, Oh, how are we going to get these, you know, six, eight, 10 extra points a game out of some other position? I think, I think the heat just don't have enough to, to make that, that absence or injury matter all that much. Is it, is Miami, I think you could say this about for a lot of teams, but is Miami sort of uniquely easy for the Bucks to defend as well? Because when you get break into the individual matchups, it's, and I would guess, you know, Giannis didn't play against them a ton this season. I only saw like, I think part of one game, you just put him because you have Brooke Lopez who can handle the BAM responsibilities by and large. And you have Drew Holiday who can handle the Jimmy Butler responsibilities by and large. And you can get away with whether you want to, I wouldn't say like a Jay Crowder, but if you want to go Javon Carter, if you want to go with um, Pat Connaughton, or even if Grayson Allen's healthy, or even Middleton, you could probably get away with like one of those guys on hero for a lot of the time. So Giannis just gets to go on Caleb Martin, or is it Max Struess? And that allows Giannis to be Giannis on defense. Like you're not, what are you doing to complicate Giannis's life on defense when the Bucks' best lineups are on the floor? And the, the Heat, in already have all these struggles and on top of it i just feel like they're a they, they don't do anything i said this to just put extra stress on Giannis defensively i think a couple other factors too and they're kind of related to what you talked about the size discrepancy is going to be massive because the heat play four guards a lot uh you know it, it, it series, right he's four smaller guys the, the other thing too at depth is like so the three bench players that miami played tonight were kevin love Caleb Martin and Kyle Lowry. I, I mean, I just don't think that's going to be enough. And th that's it. They didn't play anybody else. This was a do or die game. So this is who they view as their eight best guys. And so presumably Giannis is going to draw some fouls on Adebayo or <laughs> power forward, Jimmy Butler. And so Kevin Love is going to have to get in there and then just, I don't think Kevin Love can do anything against a Giannis, you know, downhill drive. If he's going to be in there as the rim protector. So I think defending the rim could get incredibly difficult very quickly if the Bucks just force the Heat to play. You know, the, the Heat are going to be small, period, no matter what, because they brought Lowry off the bench and they brought Martin off the bench. That's a small forward who doesn't have a lot of heft and a point guard who does have a lot of heft, but, but that's that's not what you need necessarily. So I I guess, you know, I guess there's a way for, I don't know, uh, the initial matchups to be okay for Miami, but I, I just think the size and the depth issues are also just critical. Even that that's even without Middleton. Is, for, for is there, there's no way the size discrepancy works to Miami's advantage for their offense. I, I mean, mean, who's so which of the, which of the bucks defenders are going to struggle to cover the heat was, shooters in space. I, I was going to add, well, <laughs> shooters. Um, I, the, so the Bucs allowed when Brooke Lopez defended Bam Adebayo this season, which was in all four games, and it was for a bunch, they allowed the Heat to score as a team 1.16 points per possession, which is pretty high. Yeah. Um, is that something to look at? But then it's to my last point about did you complicate life enough for Giannis? That's just sort of your ace in the hole is, all right, we have Giannis. If, Brooke, if Bam is really a problem for Brooke, and I would argue that Brooke is not the problem in that. It's probably maybe the reason that Bam Adebayo is making out of those plays. Uh, and then I flip side it back to it. I looked at this too. Uh, the Heat averaged 0.98 points per possession as a team whenever Drew Holiday defended Jimmy Butler. And so there's, I'm just, I'm trying to just figure out yeah. like where there could be vulnerabilities for the Bucks against the Heat. And I don't, and so let me frame it to you this way before we get to our predictions. Are you more worried or what, do the Heat have a better chance of poking holes in the Bucks with their defense or with their offense? Is it just very clearly 
Miami's defense is their best, like slowing the Bucks' offense, turning it into a slog and sort of making them play your game? I think it's, so I can imagine because, because I've seen it, we've seen it. Milwaukee get a little stodgy offensively, you know, in playoff games where it's just nobody's moving and, and it gets difficult for them to score. And Giannis is driving into walls and that kind of thing. So because I've, because we've seen that uh, and because we know the heat's defense is actually just good. It's gotta be that it's gotta be the defense. I, I think, I think that's, that's the key is in a scenario where Miami wins this series, it's they make the Bucks offense look like the ver- worst version of itself. And a couple of heat shooters run hot for enough games to, to make it happen. And maybe, you know, maybe you get a 50 pointer from Jimmy Butler. We haven't really talked about that. That's not a strategic thing. That's not a nuanced take, but like he tends to have one or two of those in him. you know, just a massive and playoff he's, effort. He's due. Like he was fine. He was really good. I fine. He was really good towards the end of that bulls game. But like he turned in about a quarter, one game and then another three quarters of just not playoff Jimmy Butler level basketball. Right. Yeah. No, I, and, and, and I would say too, that the bucks are not the, I mean, you, you mentioned it at the top, like this is with Vucevic as your pr- primary rim defender, the bucks have a little more heft in there f- to keep Jimmy from making a bunch of layups and, you know, pump fake short jumpers and one type stuff. And I know we didn't do this for every series, but I just want, just because for this series specifically, if I'm trying to find something that I, not that I want to say it's not compelling, but I really, I'd be shocked if it like, look, this is in 2020 when the heat beat the bucks. And then the following year, the heat got swept by the bucks. It's basically been a downhill ever since. And I know they made the conference finals last year, but they're entering as the eight seed for a reason right now. I think Tyler hero, is he too high profile to be an X factor? I just feel like if you're going to give up a lot of mid rangers, the stuff that he can do off the dribble from floater range is going to be big. And Jimmy Butler, like we just know, okay, well you need his rim pressure ability to draw you know, shooting fouls from the, the, like not near the basket, like from, from the mid range um, to keep that aspect of your offense on me. Yeah, for sure. I think hero, I thought hero tonight actually against the bulls was, was like really, I'm actually, I don't even know how many points he scored. He was five of 12, uh, 12 points, seven assists, eight rebounds. I was going to say, I thought he was like really kind of like circumspect. He wasn't, he wasn't looking to go out there and I'm going to win this game with, you know, 35 on my own. He was kind of probing a lot of probing drives to kind of see what was there and find other shooters. And I think he was very much a contributor. He passed up a wide open three very early in that game to get Struce his second three, just to try to get him going. So I think if he can do some of that, um, which is sort of, I think, against his nature as just a real bucket getter and then also capitalize on the bucks kind of allowing some mid range looks. Yeah. I I think, I think he's an X factor that way. I think he's also an X factor the other way where I think he's going to get attacked a lot. And we should also note that, you know, the, the bulls can throw out Patrick Beverly, who was awful, uh, over in this game, in this game, um, and committed every foul he committed was a dumb foul that didn't need to be committed. Um, like that. Did you see him leapfrog like bad neck at one point? So Beverly and Caruso, right? Uh, that's that's a real strength in backcourt defense, um, and the Heat handled that. But congratulations, now you get Javon Carter and Drew Holiday, and there's a backline defense behind them. So it's like that's going to only make it tougher on Hero. But you're you're right. I think I think I would cite him as a real X factor. Everybody else is kind of a known commodity, and it's going to be make or miss for for a lot of the Heat's supplementary. Maybe you're at seven X factor. <laughs> One, uh, the, one interesting thing though, real quick, you, you made me uh, realize this. Sam Quinn from CBS uh, tweeted this just after uh, the, the matchup was set. I don't know if you saw it, but the heat and bucks have played each other in the postseason three times, 2013, 2020 and 2021. The winner of each series went on to win the NBA finals. So whoever wins this series, Dan book it. 
they're, they're going all the way to the I top. could buy that just because I expect Milwaukee to win the series. And if right. I, by the way, if I had to pick an X factor for them, I think it's Javon Carter. Like that's someone who could see a lot of time on Tyler Hero. I could also, I know he's dealing with an ankle injury and I haven't seen what his status is. I could talk myself into Grayson Allen as well, uh, just because he might then see some time on Tyler Hero, but mostly that his outside shooting. If you want to open up the lane for Giannis and Drew and Chris Middleton and even stuff for Brooke Lopez, uh, you want that higher volume, reliable three-point shooter on the floor. Yeah, I could see this being a Grayson Allen series if he's healthy because I, I think he can. there are enough places for him to hide defensively that you can keep his shooting on the floor. How many over-under on the number of minutes Jake Crowder plays in this series? I'm going to set it at 16 per game. Um, I think he... Mm, I feel like that's about right. I, I'd probably go. I'd probably go under because I don't think it's going to be a close series, and you might just kind of hold him out towards. Yeah, the Giannis end of the is going to be averaging under thirty. Yeah, let it. Well, yeah, that that seems like a given. So you want to make picks here? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yes. What do you have? It's it's just bucks and five. Uh, I, I think they'll be. I'm just I guess I'm pricing in the Jimmy Butler game. You know, basically, I, I think we get one of them and, and it's and the bucks handle the other four. Yeah, I'm just going bucks and five. This is this. We, we haven't predicted a series sweep yet. And who knows? Maybe we'll predict one in one of the next series we get to. But. I'm going to go just box him. It's like, it's the coward's pick, but I, they have Jimmy Butler. And like you said, he could be, he have, have one of those like 50 point detonation type games. And look, if it could be the game, I don't think it'll be game one, but it could just be if Chris Middleton's actually banged up, like they're, they're just wrinkles that could be thrown into that. Or maybe there's some variance in the Bucks' half court offense. Like we already discussed. Would you have felt very differently if it had been the bulls? Do you think the heat are a tougher matchup than the bulls would have been? I don't. I because well towards the end of that Bulls game yes I believe the Heat looked like the better team but I just thought the having um the the perimeter defensive pressure like was more valuable against this Milwaukee team when you're looking at Caruso if you want to throw Beverly and having even Patrick Williams to throw it um Giannis maybe but I I based off what I saw in the Bulls's win um in the first playing game and then what they kind of did after the trade deadline I thought they were just the more exciting matchup from Walker. Like, Oh, they might get swept or lose in five anyway, but the games will be closer. I think the heat are just better built to survive slogs and create them as well. And so I don't, I don't know where you land on that. Yeah. I, I was just asking, cause I mean, if, if Toronto makes a decent number of free throws, the, the, the bulls just are done anyway. Um, but I had the thought during the game when it looked a little closer that, you know, maybe, maybe Levine and DeRozan could, I just it feels like there's just more offensive punch and the Bulls defense was good, but I could I wouldn't have I mean I maybe would have given them a fifth game just like we were giving uh the heat. I don't I wouldn't have gone six or anything like that with the Bulls. Uh I have I don't know if I said it though, I have Bucks in five as yeah. well. So we have Timberwolves versus Denver Nuggets in round one. This is interesting to me for a couple reasons. Uh, not even necessarily the matchup, but the circumstances under which these teams enter the nuggets have like one of the most uninspiring closes to the season. And you have Michael Malone out there criticizing their effort, like every other game 
at this point. There was weird stuff, not recently, but with like him and his use of Michael Porter Jr., Michael Malone questioning the toughness of his team. Uh, and some of some, I don't know if it was Michael Malone specifically, if it was someone with the Nuggets, or I saw a writer like ascribing, well, this had to do with just the discourse around the third MVP. Uh, like Ray, uh, Jokic's quest for a third MVP, I don't know. And then the Wolves come in. And Rodrigo Bear's dealing with back spasms. He did look okay against the Thunder. It'd be nice if he could finish through contact every once in a while, though. Um, they don't have Nas Reed done for the year. They don't have Jaden McDaniels after he punched a wall, also done for the year. Anthony Edwards does not look right. He is still What's getting What's going the basket, on with him? He can't hit. It's something with his shoulder, I think. But yeah. like, they also looked at like, his ankle. and like So he's just in pieces. His jumper is not, or has not been falling. He's still been able to get to the basket, get his Euro steps in. Um, and he's actually been like, I don't think he suffered on defense that much. So that would make sense if it's his shoulder where it's kind of like, all right, maybe he has trouble fighting over screens, but he can still get in passing lanes. And the fact that he's, I don't want to say he's avoiding his jumper, like the play, but like he even looked, he tossed in like a little push shot against the thunder and it just looks so awkward, like yep. and, and borderline painful. Uh, so all that, like just like the, the coming in. So these two teams are just like coming in. Worse for wear, I guess, would be my argument. I know the Wolves are just coming off a win, but like they blew the double-digit lead against the Lakers in the first playing game. They've blown more double-digit leads, I believe, than any other team in the league Correct. this year. Uh, my overarching thought coming in, I'm, I'm sure you have. This is the thing I'm most curious about. So I'm sure you have the same one. We did not see the dual big setup go against Denver this year. All four of the games, they split the season series 2-2. to Carl uh, Anthony Towns was not available for them. What does that like look like because we know uh, Jokic is there and Rudy Gobert will be on Jokic. I don't think he's built to slow Jokic. I don't think he's necessarily the worst matchup for, for the, or Jokic isn't the worst matchup for him uh, specifically mm-hmm. either. Like how do you fit like Carl Anthony Towns into that equation? Or you, I'm assuming you're going to have Aaron Gordon tethered to him, but then like that really limits your options. You have KCP going after uh, Anthony Edwards at that point, And, I'm wondering just because of the, this is the dilemma I feel like Denver could get into. If the Wolves stay big, are you going to be less inclined then to pull a Michael, and I'll say it's Michael Porter Jr., but Aaron Gordon's been so bad uh, offensively of late. So where you're not going to go a little bit small, like Bruce Brown might help your defense a little bit more against Anthony Edwards than maybe a KCP could at points, but you're going to be reticent to pull Michael Porter Jr., for that um, just because then you're downsizing by so much. I don't, I'm like stumbling into my words because I feel like the wolves pose an interesting matchup dilemma for the nuggets to where they have to be more careful. If they're going to take Gordon or Porter jr. Out of one of their top lineups, I guess that's what I'm getting at. It almost feels harder against the wolves. If they're going to stay big, we know there'll be plenty of one big minutes, especially now because Nas Reed isn't healthy, but it still feels like it's something I, and I don't know how to feel about it. I'm not saying it's an issue for Denver. I just don't know how to feel about it. Yeah, it's a big unknown. And certainly in contrast to had it been the Thunder, who just don't play anybody that's over 6'9", uh, it's such a different setup. And and it's worth unpacking like how much having like more size than the Nuggets, how much of a benefit that is versus being smaller and quicker and more athletic and spacing them out and attacking them that way. But I think a lot of it is just the unknown. We don't, I mean... The, the wolves can't really have much of a much of an idea about how the towns go bear partnership works against anybody because the sample's still so small um and, and let alone against against the nuggets I think so just as you're so if 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 you want to take 
Porter Jr. or Gordon off the floor, I honestly think you might just see more Zeke Najee. I think you might see it go the other way. I think maybe you'd see Denver go with a little more size because, you know, they we've harped on it all year. They have this, they've allowed the second highest opponent field goal percentage at the rim. The opponents shoot over 70% at the rim, which is just ridiculous. I'm not saying Zeke Najee is some, you know, cure all for allowing opponents to score at the rim, but I, I don't think. I don't think you get where you need to defensively if you're Denver by going smaller um, because I, I think that still just needs to be the end of the court that we focus on because Minnesota's got a number eight defense on the year, but they're about two points behind her possessions worse with they don't have McDaniels on the floor and they will not have McDaniels on the floor. So they're average to slightly below average defensively um, with just without McDaniels. So I don't really have any concerns about how the Nuggets are going to score however they configure their lineup size wise. So I think you might just try to protect the rim a little better uh, and hope that Edwards still is, is not able to kind of beat if it's Brown, if it's, if it's Gordon, if it's KCP um, that he's not able to just beat them uh, individually or make Jokic work too much in pick and rolls. I think you might want a more backline help. I don't know. It's weird. Cause I don't, I don't think Deandre Jordan, well, Unless it's Gobert only minutes, you're not going to see DeAndre Jordan, I don't think, for the Nuggets. Um, but yeah, I, going small doesn't strike me as as like the way forward because that's usually what you do if you need to get some offense on the floor. Um, do you think? How do you feel about like is the Timberwolves' defense low key maybe easier for Denver to defend because of their struggles in the half court with their best players on the floor? And the caveat is. I'm basing this on one. There's numbers like they were in the sixth percentile when Conley Edwards Gobert, and uh, towns play together in half court offensive efficiency. The sample is so small. He just throw it yeah. out. The window. But I'm looking at it as Gobert is, I don't, he's not a liability. He's just a very specific piece on mm-hmm. offense and you do have towns back, but like Anthony Edwards is now banged up. You don't have the leap that kind of Jaden McDaniels did as your, but you also do have Kyle Anderson or Nikhil Alexander Walker's actually been playing really well for them. That was another underrated piece of the Conley trade. And that's the other bigger one here. They just sort of have Mike Conley floating around very good ball mover, connective passer brings everything together. Isn't someone that's just going to roll over on defense by the way. And I almost wonder, I'd initially thought when I dig, dug in the numbers, I was like, this might actually be a team when you see how, vanilla their offense can be where it gets late into the shot clock uh, that Denver can handle because it's, they're not getting late in the shot clock because they're swinging the ball around. But then you look at them when they get into their early offense, whether it's Anthony Edwards, just attacking or Mike Conley, just setting everybody up. They're really dangerous. And that's without Nas Reed. That's without uh, Jane McDaniels too. Like they can still be dangerous doing that. And because I'm not saying Mike Conley makes all the difference, but like he just sort of, you could, if you're Denver, very quickly run into some mathematical matchup problems just between Towns, Anthony Edwards, if he's playing well, and then Mike Conley's just sort of sitting on the floor. And then if Nikhil Alexander-Walker is going to have the type of game he has where he's providing ball pressure on the defensive end, um, probably not hitting his wide open threes. Those are very hit or miss for him. But like putting the defense itself in rotation, which is where Denver can struggle. Uh, yeah. I will say the other thing on this, before I throw it back to you, Ben Taylor did a great video on thinking basketball about how the nuggets were trying. He called it peel switching um, Mm -hmm. these different ways of using Nicole Jokic in the half court um, to ensure that you're not sacrificing as much ring ring protection and can kind of exist in a, like a a state of scramble. So is this a team 
because of Conley, because of if Nas is going to be playing, even because of Anderson with his you know deliberateness getting into the lane, and then of course Anthony Edwards, that where that becomes valuable. I don't have a great. I have very strong thoughts about this matchup, and I'm so curious. My my strongest thought is curiosity, and I don't have a great hold on necessarily how it plays out. Yeah, I think this is the series where. Well, I don't want to overstate it, but. I feel like I'm almost as interested in game one of this series as I am in any other, Uh, like just because like we're kind of just trying to imagine, right? Like what this matchup looks like and where the holes might be, where the pressure points could be. And game one, I think will tell us a lot. It'll tell us, it'll answer some of the questions you're asking with respect to lineup and, and how the nuggets defend and upsize, downsize, you know, all that stuff. I, I just think I'm trying to like, I'm trying to find this is it's a similar thing for the for the heat and the bucks. I'm trying to find ways for Minnesota to be successful here. Um, And I just am not feeling I don't feel like so, for example, uh, the the Nuggets are I want to make sure I get this right. They're 28th in points per 100 allowed off of live rebounds. So that's just they're not getting back. It's hard for me uh, if Edwards is not like the he. How many times speaking of you said peel switches? How many times did Edwards even tonight when he had a better game have a have like a a one on two or a one on one like semi transition play and he would just peel off and he wouldn't go at the guy. He had a couple of nice layups where he really floated the rim, but he was just not pushing the pace and he was not attacking. And so if he's not going to be. Uh, or, uh, to the Nuggets credit, they're going to be bigger than the Thunder too. Where it's like yeah. they have Jalen Williams is just their lar- largest body on the court at all times right now. Yeah, and, but but I was going to say if 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 he's not going to be that kind of downhill athletic force that pushes in transition and tries to exploit Denver just not being very good at getting back off live rebounds, then that's not really an area to exploit for Minnesota. And if you're going to have Gobert and Towns on the floor, you're not. I mean, Towns can run uh, can run the floor in a straight line, but he's not going to push it himself and so I don't see that as a way forward for, for Minnesota. His transition defense against OKC. Towns was just getting back, outrunning Rudy. He was. Possessions. Yeah. Was. So I, I'm not saying – I'm just – it was – it's just so fascinating. So let's get into then, like, just the X factors here. I feel like I can't even pick one for the Nuggets. I'm going to say Aaron Gordon because I you don't want to give Carl Anthony Towns a spot to hide, and so you need Aaron Gordon to do something, whether it's be able to – to cut run off ball or hit his, his threes, which he has struggled doing of late at the same time, just if they decide to throw the, which teams are reticent to do because you know what happens when you double or throw the kitchen sink at Nicole Jokic. Yeah. It's why the double team data uh, where you're looking at, Oh, all these players look at all these doubles. And then people are, Oh, well, look, Jokic isn't on this. Like that's another vote against him for MVP. It's like, no, he's not being doubled. It's not a vote against him B because he was doubled so much. That's an, the amount of times teams throw like eight bodies out of the five players are on the court and beat. It's incredible, but you're not doubling Jokic because he will cut you up. But I do think this leads me to a Michael Porter Jr. Or Jamal Murray. Are those just X factors? At least one of them needs to have a monster series and the job isn't going to be super easy for one of them because my guess is I I'm assuming Conley's going to get plenty of time on Jamal Murray and that you'll see a lot of Anthony Edwards. Is he going to be on KCP and then kind of, kind of float around or are we going to see him match up with like, are they going to try and I, I think Michael Porter jr. Is just too good of a shooter and can at least move with the ball in his hands or even without the ball in his hands that you don't want towns on him. Uh, but one of those guys is basically who I'm looking at where it's Jamal Murray or 
Michael Porter Jr. I mean, preferably both. They need to have a monster offensive series, not because the Wolves can necessarily shut down Jokic, but because you can't really trust the rest of the supporting cast right now with the way Bruce Brown has shot the ball lately. KCP's yeah. been on sort of a cold shooting streak. And then everything I mentioned about Aaron Gordon, who, by the way, people were campaigning to, and I'm not faulting people at the time. They're like, Aaron Gordon's kind of a fringe all-star right now. And then just think like where he finished the season. No. I, so I think <laughs> so if, if, if it were, that was ridiculous at the time. I'm sorry. Cause it just, it, I mean, I, I know he was shot. He shot the shit out of the ball to start the year. And everybody was saying how, well, he's not just dependent on cutting baseline and getting hit by Jokic for dunks. Like, I mean, yeah, pretty much everybody on that team is. Uh, I think if it were me and I'm Minnesota, I would probably put Edwards on Jamal Murray. And so that's why Murray is kind of my X factor pick. Um, because I think really, really Murray is the X factor for the Nuggets like writ large because him getting back to the point where we weren't sure if he or Donovan Mitchell or Devin Booker were the better player of those three. We always like talked about in conjunction with one another, getting back to that guy who's, you know, putting up multiple, whatever it was, 30 and 40. Did he have a 50 point game in the playoffs? Like him and him and Mitchell went back and forth in a series. I think it might've been 2020. I think Murray needs to dramatically like outplay Edwards and just beat him in beat him head up. Basically. I don't think he can guard Edwards. I think Edwards can guard him, but I think if, Murray outplays Edwards like there's just no path there's no hope for for the Wolves um so he would be my pick on, on that side the Wolves are trickier I mean we can't pick Towns right I would probably because on the same thinking Towns is just too good of a player it's like yeah well if Towns doesn't play great then the eighth seed cannot beat the one seed um but I think he needs to matter a ton on both ends because he's gonna be asked to do a lot of the you know covering up cutters that are, and how is he going to be able to guard a way out in space and come back and try to shut off some of the passes that Jokic is getting to guys around the basket. His job is going to be really difficult and it's a part of the game that he's just not historically been very good at towns. Um, so I don't know if I'd call, I, I don't feel like cheating to call him the X factor, but um, I think what he's going to have to do defensively against an offense this good, that is going to put a ton of movement and spacing and activity around Jokic like he doesn't like you're not going to put him on Jokic. Gobert's got that assignment. So he's going to have to be uh pretty spectacular defensively, I think, uh to to keep the Nuggets from really just kind of running them out of the gym. I almost default to Nikhil Alexander-Walker for the Wolves because it seems like he's going to be the one that soaks up the most minutes in the absence of Jaden McDaniels and also does his we know what Mike Conley can do already, but does his the pressure that he can provide on the ball or at least getting out in transition, does that become more important if Anthony Edwards is playing through like 80 injuries? Is that yeah. Does that become more important? He, by the way, Alexander Walker, kind of a phenomenal career like reinvention because I don't know if you remember, he started out as just an unabashed chucker and, and that, that was not going well for him efficiency-wise. And then at some point in Utah, he just be, he just leaned in on defense and he was awesome against the thunder against SGA. I mean, SGA still got his, but like Alexander Walker has, has the, the frame and was playing really hard. Like I, I think it's kind of amazing that he's gone from what he was to if he sticks in the league. And I think he definitely will now. And that was in some doubt for a while. It'll be because he can just guard. And, and if he makes shots great, but that, yeah, he's, I, I should have mentioned him. I was saying I would put Edwards on Murray. I think I still would, especially if Edwards just isn't going to be as big a factor offensively. Um, but yeah, Alexander Walker, I think is a, is a definite like 
is a very interesting option to kind of see if you can get him on Murray. Um, and maybe he can rove a little bit, even even bother Michael Porter Jr., even though there's pretty big size size discrepancy there. They and for what it's worth, uh, in the Denver matchups during the regular season, and I think I might agree with you with Anthony Edwards. I just I can he does he have the range of motion on his entire body to stick with Murray? They did stick him on KCP for most of the time when they played Denver. Mm. Um, so predictions, who do you got in this series? I'm gonna uh, cower my way through this one too and just say Nuggets in five. Um, I think though this one I could see being a sweep more likely than I could see the one eight in the East. But I think, I think Minnesota, I think Minnesota has enough to get one here. That's, that's as far as I go. I think I'm rooting too much into the bad energy in Denver. I'm going to go nuggets and six. And I think nuggets, we have very vocal nuggets. I don't know if they're subscribed to us or if they just find us on YouTube. They, um, and I appreciate everyone, I guess who watches and comments, but they're going to be, we've just gotten angry nuggets fans at us, which is just weird because the nuggets are my title pick as of right now. Like, will yeah. I move off that based on series matchups? I don't know. I'm just, I could see it being a sweep. I could see it being in five games. Something just feels off about Denver. And I think the other, you know, we didn't even really talk about their depth beyond their top six guys. And you're going to have to explore it depending like Christian Brown might be super important to this series. If Michael Porter jr. Isn't having a great game, and you're looking for the body to maybe throw it. Anthony Edwards or if Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon's not having a good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just don't trust anyone after their top six guys. And if you want to throw Brown in there, I guess that's fine. Um, and I know depth isn't as important in the playoffs. Uh, this just feels like maybe I'm underrating their, their home court advantage. Um, they've been good in Denver all year, of course, and they clearly have the best player in this series. I just, something feels off there. Uh, so no, this, nothing, this, nothing feels off about the Timberwolves to you guys are right, punching, you know punching each other. I'm going to go, I'm just, yeah, all right. That's fair. Nuggets in five. They don't have Jaden McDaniels. I'm like, I'm not factoring that in yeah. enough. Nuggets in five. The pick yeah. is Nuggets in five for me. Do you want to take us out of here? After we said we were going to do sub 10 minutes on each series and we did 20 on each series. Well, a two to one uh, promise to delivery ratio is pretty good for us. Uh, yeah. So everybody, thanks for listening. Like, rate, review, subscribe, follow us on socials. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. Enjoy the playoffs, man. The playoffs start tomorrow. I'm pumped. I can't wait. Uh, I'm really excited. We will uh, reconvene frequently to give you more incredible content uh, that hopefully has a little more drama than a couple of one versus eight matchups. Uh, but as always, we close with a shout out to the one and only Frank Nilakina and also an apology to Jared Allen. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.